theme of our message this evening is kindness. Uh, at camp this week, that was their theme, and I preached a lot of this information. A lot of you weren't there. Some of you were. And again, uh, some additional information in my notes I wasn't able to present. I'm going to try to present those, those facts. And again, those who heard some of these things, hopefully this will help build this information up in their mind and the importance of kindness. Well, first off, we should give a definition of what it means to be kind. <clears throat> definition is having or showing a tender, considerate, and helping nature. Showing a tender, considerate, and helping nature to be kind to someone. So being kind then is being friendly, generous, warm-hearted, sympathetic, considerate, gentle, affectionate, benevolent, tender-hearted, compassionate, and gracious. In the New Testament, there are two Greek words for the word kindness. One is Chrysoti, and it can be found in Colossians, the third chapter, verse 12. It says there, So as those who have been chosen of God, holy, beloved, put on a heart of compassion, Chrysoti, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, and it goes on. Another word in the New Testament is philanthropia. It is found in Acts chapter 28, verse 2. The natives showed an extraordinary philanthropia. The natives showed an extraordinary kindness. For they kindled a fire took us all in because of the rain that had started and because of the cold. These words here describe an attitude of heart that results in a specific character of action. We're kindness. We're showing an extraordinary kindness. We see somebody with a need, with an issue or problem, and we're friendly to them. We help them. We give them what we have to be able to help them. Jesus tells us in Luke 6, verse 35, Love your enemies, do good, lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he himself is kind to the ungrateful. And to the evil. We ought to be loving and kind even to our enemies, Jesus says, because he's kind even to the ungrateful and evil people. Uh, this morning I read a passage where he allows the sun to rise upon the, the evil and the good. He lets his rain fall on the, the righteous and on the unrighteous. He's, he's good. He provides things for everybody. 
He doesn't pick and choose, oh, you're, you can be saved, but you, you can't be saved. Or you, you're going to go to heaven, but you're going to go to hell. No, he gives to everybody and he allows people to choose and decide if they want to be saved and become a Christian and go to heaven or follow the ways of the evil one and they'll end up in that lake of fire. Also a passage that I read this morning, Romans 2, 4. It says, Or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness? Do we think lightly of God's riches and kindness towards us? And restraint and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? You see, it's God's kindness and all the kind things that he does for us that lead us to salvation and to repentance. So first off, let's notice kindness is something that's essential in our lives. One is not walking before God as he ought to be if he does not demonstrate kindness. For us to be pleasing to God, we need to be a kind person and demonstrate that in our actions, in our behavior. Being kind is not something that you just are. Kindness must be something that's practiced, something that's demonstrated in our lives. The what worthy woman in Proverbs 31, she's, she's valuable, this, this wife, this woman. Uh, she's more precious than rubies, you know, diamonds and precious, expensive things. And when you see this woman and her character and who she is, and you go down through these teachings there, this worthy woman of Proverbs had the teaching of kindness in her mouth, keeping her words in check. Proverbs 31, 26 says, She opens her mouth in wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. I mean, she must have been kind to her husband. She must have been kind to her children. Kind to her servants, those that were her neighbors or those that she met at the market or down the street. She must have just been a kind, pleasing, encouraging, helpful woman. The natives of Malti, they again showed an extraordinary kindness to the Apostle Paul and those who were with him in Acts chapter 28 when they had their shipwreck and landed on that island. The servants of Christ, they proved themselves by their kindness. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 4 through 6 say this, But in everything commending ourselves as servants of God, in much endurance and affliction and in hardship and difficulties and beatings and imprisonments and mob attacks and labors and sleeplessness and hunger, impurity and knowledge and patience and kindness and the Holy Spirit and genuine love. 
You see, servants of Christ, they show themselves. And yeah, a lot of these bad things and that that happen and, and how we would conduct ourselves and act during those times, but also in these times when we should be pure and in our knowledge and patience and kindness and having the Holy Spirit being within us. You see, people are watching. If we're saying we're a Christian and we have God's Holy Spirit within us, are we really demonstrating that to the world? Or are we just like them? Are we kind and loving, mean-spirited, trampling on people? Or are we being kind and loving? Solomon said in Proverbs 19, 22, What is desirable in a person is his kindness. And it's better to be a poor person than be a liar. <laughs> kind of funny that he contrasts these two things. But what's being said here by Solomon is, in other words, what counts is doing what you can. Rather than saying what you would do and then not do it and be found out to be a liar. What is desirable is to be a kind person. When you see the need, react and do what you can. Don't say, hey, I'll, I'll get you that or I'll do this for you. And time goes by and you didn't do it and a little bit more time and a little bit more. And guess what? They just find out you lied. You, you said you were going to do it and you didn't do it. The Apostle John put it this way in 1 John 3, 17 and 18, which says, But whoever has worldly goods and sees his brother or sister in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God remain in him? Little children, let's not love with word or with tongue, but indeed, in, in truth. You see, it's easy to go and say things with our words, but it's another thing to do it, to actually have action on your part. That's truth. Secondly, what is kindness character? Well, I think when you boil it all down, the key ingredient of kindness is love. Paul said that love is kind in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4. He says loves a lot of other things and loves not some things. But he says love is kind. This must be true since love by definition must seek the goodwill of another. Kindness is the expression of that goodwill. Have you ever known somebody that they're a kind person and that's what you think of when you see them? Man, they're kind. Their words are kind. Their, their actions are kind. All those things spring from love that help motivate them to be those kind people. This is true whether we speak of the kindness of God towards man 
Notice, if you would, in Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3, verse 4. Titus chapter 3, verse 4. Titus 3, verse 4 says, But when the kindness of God our Savior and His love for mankind appears... So we see that this is true when we think of the kindness of God towards mankind. What's it say in verse 5? He saved us. But when the kindness of God our Savior and His love for mankind appeared, how did He show it? He saved us. He died on the cross for us. He was kind and He gave us what we needed. He paid a debt that we couldn't pay. Isn't that wonderful? Amen. Well, what about men? Towards men. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 7 says this, if you'd like to turn there. 2 Peter chapter 1. Verse 7, and in your goodness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. Hmm. Excuse me, I said goodness, and, and the word is actually godliness. And in your godliness, brotherly Kindness. So if we're going to be godly and Christians, it ought to show in our brotherly kindness. And in your brotherly kindness, love. Towards who? Towards our other men. We ought to be loving. We ought to be godly and be good examples and be the salt and light that we're told that we should be in the scriptures. That's being kind. That they can see that and they can see it in action and that it's real. And it's not just some make-believe thing that nobody can actually accomplish and do in their lives. Well, you may ask, well, how's God kind to mankind? Well, he's made us. He gave us life. He's made the earth and all that is in it, the water and the air and the, the food through the animals and the fruits and vegetables and so forth that grow. He's given us his word. He's given us his church that we can be a part of. He is kind towards us that he gives us salvation and in through Jesus. We have his Holy Spirit that lives within us and dwells within us. He gives us the promise of heaven if we remain faithful to the end. And the list can go on of all kinds of other things that he gives to mankind. He's kind to us. Kindness is also manifested without respect of persons. 
You know, we shouldn't say, hmm, I like that person, so I'll be kind to him. But here's somebody else that needs kindness, and I'm not going to be kind to that person. No, we ought to be kind to everybody. You see, the Christian is not kind to some and, and then not to others. He is certainly not kind on the basis of racial, social, or ethical considerations. You can read about that in James chapter 2, verses 1 through 9. One of the things that James says there is showing preference or respect to a person when they come into a, 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 a setting or an assembly. And you say, see the rich man and the big old gold rings and he's dressed all good and looks good. And you say, come on down here, brother. Sit in the chief seat and sit right here in the front. And then you see the guy that just made it. He's been working 10-hour shift and he's dirty. He's got his work clothes on and he's sweaty and you could see how the hair's matted and how, you know, from the sweat all day, you know, the guy needs to go get a bath and he's stinky and he doesn't smell good. And he starts walking up and you say, ho, 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 ho. Why don't you go ahead and stand back over there in the corner over there by the door? Is that right? Is it right? Nope, I'm seeing a few heads saying no. I'm glad. He ought to come in and sit wherever he wants. We ought to be glad that they're here. They, they're tired. They're wore out. They need to go home and eat. They need to go home and, and bathe and clean up and put some clean clothes on. But you know, they're here. And we need to be kind to them and love them. We, we don't know what they've had to deal with all day. We haven't walked in their shoes and maybe the hardships that they've had to deal with. And we have now a time to say a kind word to them and encourage them. Not say, go stand back there in the corner. Hank, go over there. We don't want you to offend anybody with your smell or you run into them and get them dirty. We want people like our brother here to come. We shouldn't be that way. We should show kindness in the same way in which the Father has shown kindness toward us, to all men, even those who that are, are, that are ungrateful and evil. Remember the passage I read in the introduction in Luke 6.35. I'll read it again. Jesus tells us there, but love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High. For he himself is kind to ungrateful and evil people. You see, it's important that we follow in Jesus' footsteps. And if he would do that, we should too. We should follow the example of James and his teaching there in James 2, 1 through 9. James chapter 2, verse 4 says this. If I can flip over there. It says, when we behold 
or kindness from some men, we become evil. James 2 verse 4 says, Have you not made distinction among yourselves and become judges with evil motives? Hmm. Why? Because rich man, you come up here. Poor man, you go back in the back. Point three. How about some examples of kindness? I have... um, 617 different ones in the Bible that I'm going to go through. Uh, So be fast at turning, I'm teasing. I'm going to give you a list of of, of some of these things. And uh, they exemplify kindness, but again, by no means is this an exhaustive list. However, it does help us to broaden our perception of kindness, and it's important. You see, one is kind when... When you're honest in your dealings, like it teaches in Genesis 21-23, see, Abraham wasn't kind. What did he say? This is my sister. Abimelech almost took her and married her. But what was Abimelech to him? Abimelech showed kindness to Abraham in Genesis 21-23. What about one who is kind? He rewards good received from another. In Genesis chapter 40, verse 14, we see Joseph is helping out in the jail and doing what he can. And we see that the baker comes in and a cupbearer and uh, they think they're going to be killed. Pharaoh's going to execute them. And he interprets dreams for each of them that they had. And he interpreted a dream uh, for the cupbearer and told him he was going to be restored in three days. And he'd be pouring wine again and tasting it and making sure it's not poisoned and giving it to the Pharaoh. And he said, because I've told you these things and everything, show me a kindness and mention me to Pharaoh. So what happened? The cupbearer went right out and went right out and told Pharaoh and Pharaoh got him out of jail, right? No, it took a few years. It took, took a, a, a portion of time before it happened, but nobody could answer the Pharaoh's dream that he had that bothered him of the seven big old fat ears of corn and seven nasty ears that you'd probably throw out to the pigs and the seven big, huge, fat cows and then the seven lean cows and their bones are sticking out and they look like, man, what are you going to do with those animals? And he said, I know someone can interpret that dream for you. And he clean, they clean up Joseph and bring him in and he does. He says, you're going to have seven uh, good years where you're going to have a lot of produce and good things and you need to store the extra that you're going to have because there's going to be seven years of famine come. And what happened? He was made second in command in Egypt. There was Pharaoh and then there was Joseph that people had to speak to. So eventually, the good that the the cupbearer received, he did show a kindness back to Joseph. In Genesis chapter 50, we all know of the, the story 
uh, of Joseph. If not, I'll, I'll highlight it real quick for you. But um, Genesis chapter 50 is, is the end of the story there before we go into to Egypt. And uh, they're in Egypt, but before the story changes and everything, and we get them killing the babies and um, Moses is born and so forth. Genesis chapter 50. Starting there in 17 through 21. You see, Joseph is kind and loving towards his brothers and their children. And he didn't have to be. You see, his brothers beat him, stripped him naked, threw him into a, a pit. When some people came down through, they sold him into slavery. And he was taken down into Egypt. And uh, Potiphar bought him. And then he eventually got accused of sleeping with Potiphar's wife, which he didn't do, thrown into jail, and then made second in command. But his brothers, they went back with the coat of many colors, dipped in goat's blood, showed it to their dad, Isaac, and said, is this your son's? And they lied, and they made their dad even believe that Joseph was eaten by wild animals. And Joseph could have been viciously angry at these, his brothers, and had him killed, had him executed. But notice here in verse 17 of Genesis 50, it says, Thus you shall say to Joseph, Please forgive, I beg you, the transgression of your brothers and their sin, for they did you wrong. And now, please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Then his brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for am I in God's place? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to preserve many people alive. So therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. So he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. You see, man, that's kindness. These people did him wrong. They hated him. They envied him. But he doesn't go and do evil back in return. And he looks at what happened and said this was the way of protecting Israel and the 12 tribes during these times. Yes, we know that it led to a Pharaoh being born that didn't know Joseph. And then we know bad things happened. But eventually God was able to deliver them. And uh, he used Moses to do that. Again, kindness it can be exhibited with honorable behavior. Ruth was an honorable woman. She could have stayed back and been a Moabitess, but she came with Naomi and came back to the promised land. Naomi was old and her husband had died and her two children had died. 
And she went out and worked and gleaned and tried to get food and take care of her mother-in-law. And people saw that. And Boaz saw that. And then Boaz started to bless her and give her food. And when Naomi found out about that, she said, he's a near kinsman and he can redeem you. And we see as the story goes there that she goes and lays by him at the harvest time. She takes her dress and lays it upon his feet and his legs to, to keep him warm. And we see there that Ruth has shown a kindness to her mother-in-law, and now Boaz shows a kindness to her. And uh, he doesn't delay. He goes and works and um, eventually marries Ruth. And we know that David comes from that marriage. Kindness shows friendship. David asked for kindness from King Saul's son, Jonathan. Remember, Saul was after him and trying to kill him, and David and Jonathan were buddies. They were knit together. They'd go out and fight great battles and fight against the uncircumcised Philistines and win, and they, they really enjoyed each other and appreciated each other. Jonathan knew that David was anointed, knew that he was going to become king. That didn't bother him. And uh, David asked him to show him a kindness, but then Jonathan asked David to show him a kindness, and they make a covenant. We also see kindness honors the dead. When Samuel, or excuse me, when Saul and Jonathan and those men were killed and they were hung outside the city of Jabeth Gilead. They went and the people, the men of Jabeth Gilead, took Saul down and Jonathan and gave them a proper burial. And David commends them for their kindness and uh, thanks them. And now, after this takes place, David looks is he's going to be being anointed to be the king of Israel and unite um, the tribes. And uh, he finds that there's a grandson of Saul and a relative of Jonathan. And his name is Mephibosheth in 2 Samuel 9, 7. And David shows a great kindness to him because of that covenant and friendship that he had with Jonathan. And he gives him all of Saul's lands. And he's crippled and he can't work or anything. And he gave him all of the servants and everybody back so that they would take care of the property and the lands and be able to provide for him. And David said that you'll sit at my table and you'll eat. What a wonderful kindness that David did. And also we know that God shows Kindness and compassion. Think of the story of Jonah. And Jonah went into the town of Nineveh and said it's going to be destroyed in 40 days. And what happened? They repented. And we see there that God has, shows compassion and he's abundant with loving kindness toward Nineveh because they repented and he didn't destroy them. Jonah got all mad and wanted the city to be nuked, sat outside under a little juniper bush, but we know that doesn't happen. But we see God in his kindness, and the list could keep going on. Fourthly, how can we teach kindness? 
How can we teach it to our kids? Those that we may teach in Sunday school or VBS or camp or at different times. How can we teach it to our grandchildren? As parents, we need to recognize that there are two great sources of influence upon our children. One is contact with family members. The other one is with their friends. 1 Corinthians 15, 33 says, Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. If parents allow their kids to go around bad kids, they're going to corrupt their morals. They're going to get them involved in doing things that aren't right. You see, we are prone to do what we see and live. If we are not kind in our dealings with our children, it would be no surprise if they learn to manifest a brutal spirit as they become adults. And parents likewise, if they are allowed to associate with peers who are known to be without compassion or proper regard for others, that spirit will influence them. Proverbs 22, 24, and 25 says this, Do not make friends with a person given to anger, or go with a hot-tempered person, or you will learn his ways and find a snare for yourself. So the example is here, if you go to somebody, go with somebody who's anger or hot-tempered, what are they going to do? They're going to be getting in fights, gang fights, whatever. It's not going to be a good thing because you're going to learn these things. But we could substitute a lot of things here. Do not make friends with those who go out and get drunk, who go out and have keg parties and drink gallons of alcohol. Because you'll learn their ways and you'll become a drunkard and maybe an alcoholic. You see, we can add all kinds of different things here. As parents, we need to guard and watch who our kids become friends with because they can lead them down the wrong path. And by far the best example that we have of someone showing kindness is our Lord Jesus. In 1 Peter chapter 2, 21 through 25, 1 Peter 2, 21 through 25, it says, For you have been called for this purpose since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps, who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. And while being reviled, he did not revile in nature. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges rightly. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you were healed. For you were continually straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls." Jesus is the best example that we have with whom we ought to become intimate regarding his sinless life and try to live that type of life also. We learn to be kind by receiving kindness. In 
And the greatest kindness any of us has ever known is that of the Almighty God and Father through Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 2, 3 says, If you've tasted the kindness of the Lord, what do you mean tasted? If you've tasted His Word, if you've tasted His Holy Spirit, if you've tasted the salvation that He provides you, if you've tasted the hope that He provides, if you've tasted the promises and the hope of going to heaven in and through Jesus, you know, what great kindness. In the difficult times of our relationships, we must reflect on what we have received in order to properly judge what we should give. And even if somebody's brutal or mean or unkind to us, we should not be that way for them. We should pray for them. All of us need to be guided into a proper appreciation for the kindness of God that has appeared to us in order to be able to manifest a like kindness towards the world. And as with anything, practice makes perfect. We got to practice kindness every day. It ought to be on our mouth like that wise woman of Proverbs, that notable woman. We all have opportunities to practice the virtue of kindness. There's plenty of good works that need to get done. Are you a kind person or are you mean? A bully, maybe self-centered, angry, a bandit, a rebel. If so, then repent, change. Become a good, loving, and kind person. In conclusion, every one of us should be kind to others and hopefully they will be kind to us in return. Joseph was kind. Ruth was kind. David and Jonathan were kind to each other. David was even kind to Jonathan's relatives. God was kind to the heathens. Jesus is kind to us. What about you? Are you kind, friendly, and generous, and sympathetic, and considerate, gentle, benevolent, compassionate, gracious to everyone you come into contact with. You can make a, a great difference for Christ in his king, kingdom every day if you would be loving and kind to those that you meet. We're going to be singing our song of invitation. And if you've not obeyed the gospel, why not now? What's keeping you from becoming a Christian? Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God? And if you believe that, are you willing to confess that before men? Will you repent and turn to God? Will you be immersed, baptized for the forgiveness of your sins and to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit? And then will you live a faithful life until the end to receive the crown of life?